Hello and welcome to the latest edition of PEI Media's Spotlight Podcast. I'm Zach Bentley, Senior Reporter at Infrastructure Investor. Today we will be discussing the impact of the coronavirus on renewable energy. With me today are Richard Norse, founder and managing partner of Greencoat Capital, and Jeffrey Altman, a senior advisor at energy advisory Finadvice, and who also has a new venture coming down the line. With energy demand down by about 20% each day in the UK, Richard began by describing what impact the reduced demand and flattened power prices is having on his portfolio. So most of our portfolio is in the UK. We also have assets in Ireland and in France. And I think we're seeing what the market's seeing, or we're seeing it through the market, which is a relatively large reduction, sort of 17 20%, maybe a little higher in Italy, of demand. And that's leading to some weakening of pricing. But I think probably the bigger effect historically has been the lowering of the carbon price and the effect that's had on European pricing in particular. In the structure of what we invest in, we have a very substantial amount of revenue that comes from support rather than from the sale of electricity. Jeff added that renewables have so far proven resilient to the crisis, largely because of their price competitiveness, the long-term contracts and their place at the top of the merit order. We're seeing load curves change uh, dramatically as well. I think what this means for the next couple of years is we're going to see some permanent demand destruction with a couple percentage points off, as we saw during the last GFC. And it's going to be a little bit of a tough road ahead. But uh, with that, you know, people like Richard and other people, groups out there, are going to be able to innovate, reduce costs by digitalization and other means. And the market's going to grow considerably thereafterwards once uh, we get this all sorted. But as with all infrastructure assets, stable revenue protection is key. And so in the UK, clearly in the the rock market, all assets have roughly half their revenue comes through the subsidy and half comes through power prices. And um, if you look at the CFD market, unless you have a six-hour negative pricing, then you continue to get your payment from the government. Governments across the world have scrambled to produce relief programmes for various sectors. And Richard believes that renewables will continue to benefit from subsidy regimes. Do I think there would also be assets that get built without those supports? Yes, but clearly the returns that investors will require will be significantly higher. And that's certainly how how we see it. So I don't think COVID-19 in particular, if it lasted for 15 years, then it would clearly be different. However, Jeff said that subsidy regimes will depend on the countries and certain commodity prices. I do envision that, you know, the governments are going to probably have to start kickstarting the build out of renewables once this is all sorted and that many investors will be looking in order to be interested will require some type of uh, support scheme, at least for a period of time, to get comfortable with that. But again, it's a real question as to where the commodity prices are, where demand is, and just overall market terms and conditions itself. He adds that the crisis could have major implications for the PPA market, which grew by more than 40% in 2019, according to BNEF. I suggest that there's going to be renegotiations or defaults from several companies as corporates need to remain competitive, restructure, or go bankrupt. And I already know one entity that's already looking into renegotiating its PPA. Now, is that going to be extensive? No, but you know, it depends on the company and the corporate but, and where it's going to go, but there will be renegotiations out there. In some cases, the differences between the PPA price and the market price can be quite stark. There are obviously a number of these sort of RE100 type corporates who two, three years ago have you know, entered into agreements in the sort of mid-50s. 
more last year we saw people enter into stuff in the 40s clearly prices are in the 30s now i think that there is a clearly a credit risk uh, on these counterparties i guess i'm always struck by the fact that for though most of the period that the ppas are for actually the market price is forecast to be rather higher than the ppa price so so i guess we'll see we, we certainly have we have a very small reliance on it some people have speculated that the coronavirus crisis could lead to some corporates scaling back some of their renewable energy commitments, which have helped drive the power purchase agreement market. However, both Jeff and Richard believe the current crisis only underscores the need for such corporate social responsibility. I do believe that there is going to be mounting pressure that coming out of this whole thing, there is going to be a greater awareness of sustainability. And I submit that corporates are now going to be held more accountable whether or not there's going to be financial penalties on them or not. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I maybe I spend too much time looking at Twitter and not enough time talking to, to people, or maybe I should read The Telegraph more often. But my take is, is that horrible as the virus is, that um, it's kind of giving people to have a think around whether or not common action is a better way than you know individual action, all those kind of things. When we first started investing in renewables 10 years ago, I mean, the cost of transferring from fossil and nuclear into renewables was astronomical. And, um, you know, solar wasn't even really priced, you know, four or five hundred pounds an hour. And, um, you know, offshore wind was 150 pounds an hour. And, you know, here we are today with offshore wind, you know, pricing below 50 euro, 50, 45 pounds in today's terms. And solar are around the same kind of place in you know sunnier windier places you know much much lower so my take is is that the enormous headwind that the kind of just the economic cost of decarbonization previously did means that you know it's just evaporated in the electricity market i think that there are other markets where it's it's trickier finally we discussed what the recent oil price shock could mean for renewables while both jeff and richard believe short-term challenges remain the long-term prognosis for renewables is positive you know what we have seen is combined with the oil price plunge and the global wake-up call from COVID-19, mankind is really indeed vulnerable and we need to protect our environment. End game is that we're going to see a lot more investment going into sustainability. I think this has actually pushed forward the whole process itself. That's the good news. The other good news and possibly bad news is, is that we're going to start seeing now the big Oil corporates come in, full bore, no pun intended, like Shell, as well as other asset managers that are going to be pouring cash in as well, like BlackRock and others. And, and so we're going to see a large supply of capital now going into sustainability. While there may be an increased number of actors, there's plenty of assets to go around as the decarbonisation mission grows. So we feel that you know, people will have seen that, that renewables actually is a good place to be in these sorts of markets. That will then cause more people to, to come into the market. And clearly, I think it's excellent news for the world that Mr. Looney has committed BP to going to net zero. And it's great that Shell also slightly more mealy-mouthed, it seems to me, in their promise heading towards net zero. Uh, and clearly over time, you know, if they start to put 20 billion a year, what well, they put into fossil now into renewables, that will change the supply of capital. And clearly, if BlackRock are even more successful than they already are in renewables, and they obviously have a big renewables business, you know, there will be more capital. But equally, I think there's going to be a lot more assets and a lot more investable opportunities as we start to do heating next and uh, other types of uh, renewable energy infrastructure beyond electricity. There's still a long way to go in electricity. I think we're a lot 
in the UK we're the furthest advanced with just over 50% low carbon, including nuclear. You know, that's got a long way to move still. If you look globally, it's what Jeff probably knows better than me, 8%. I mean, it's not a big number yet. So maybe even less. So, so, so my take is there's an awful lot of need for this capital. And I'm not worried about uh, sort of some form of a stampede. And that's all from us for today. If you want to check out more episodes of Spotlight, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you to Richard and to Jeff. For Infrastructure Investor, I'm Zach Bentley. Thank you, and goodbye.